Well, good morning and welcome to our Sunday School. I'm glad you're able to join us this morning. Uh, if you got your Bibles, we're in Mark chapter 9 this morning. And if you want to go to OurSundaySchool.com, uh, you can grab today's handout. It's the same as the handout for last week and the week before. And uh, I believe it'll be the same as the handout for next week, but we should be able to finish this text up, uh, Lord willing, next week. Uh, also, if you have a copy of your ESV Scripture Journal, uh, go ahead and grab that. And uh, just let me say I appreciate so much all the feedback, uh, the emails, the texts, the messages around uh, questions in Mark chapter 9, um, things that you've seen in Mark chapter 9. It's very encouraging. I appreciate that. Please keep that coming. Um, and we are in, again, Mark chapter 9 this morning. So the question we ask each week is, what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? And uh, I'll, I'll give uh, kind of my answer today, and it has been a wonderful reflection in uh, the Trinity. So in passages like we see in Mark chapter 9, where there is a voice from heaven uh, speaking to uh, those, uh, to Jesus and those around Jesus, uh, to be able to see the interactions between the persons of the Trinity is a beautiful and wonderful thing. And I'm actually going to I plan on talking for a couple of minutes about the word beloved this morning and how I have been um, challenged in that space uh, the last few months as I've uh, prepared to teach from Mark chapter 9 and then finally getting to teach in Mark chapter 9. So excited about that. Uh, I want to greet several of you this morning. So uh, Amy Blesson, good morning. Uh, howdy, Barry Cole. We've gone full cowboy. There we go. Uh, Matt Ayers. Uh, the Landers, the Johnsons, uh, and thank you, Mitch, for the text this morning. Uh, so just an FYI for some of you, if you're having trouble with certain websites, um, I've been told that EPB is actually having challenges with their internet this morning. And some websites are up, some websites are down. I actually had challenges this morning uh, accessing some of the software that I use to uh, present this Sunday school class from our home. Uh, so if you're having challenges with the sites, just try a different device, refresh, be patient. Uh, remember, these are all tools that we can use uh, that we can uh, benefit from. So uh, good morning, Darla, in the fishbowl. I, I think I know exactly where you are. I've taught many classes from the fishbowl. Uh, the McGarveys, the Denims. Uh, hey, Brittany's there with Danius. Fantastic. Welcome back, Danius. We've been praying for you. Uh, congratulations on the successful completion. Uh, well done. And uh, please know that uh, you had our, our prayers and uh, we are thrilled that you are back and that you uh, successfully finished that job. So, well done. Uh, the Arnolds, the Millards, and Cheryl Benefield. Excellent. Good morning. Well, welcome, guys. Again, we're in Mark chapter 9, so grab your Bibles. I'm going to read all of Mark chapter 9, and then we will start with, and as I look through, I see my friends from North Carolina, the Greggs. So, good morning to you guys as well. <clears throat> but we'll read all through Mark chapter 9 this morning. Again, if you're interested in the handout for today's lesson or for any of our prior lessons in Mark, or to be able to watch any of the videos or podcasts or uh, resources that we have available for this Mark series, you can go to OurSundaySchool.com. Commercial over. Mark chapter 9. <clears throat> and he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, 
as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, Why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. And he did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. And they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, Why, what were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve. And he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me, receives not me, but him who sent me. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, 
do not stop him. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly, I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Mark chapter 9. Well, good morning to the barbers and uh, Miss Nancy Miller. Hey, good morning, Nancy. Good to have you this morning. So again, if you've got your, uh, if you've got your handout, uh, we are several pages into today's handout. And again, today's handout is the same handout as last week, the prior week, and very likely next week as well. So we have uh, walked through the first several verses of Mark chapter uh, 9, and we were kind of in the middle of verse 7. So we'll pick up uh, at the end, at the middle of, uh, the beginning of verse 7 this week. So the scene is uh, Jesus and Moses and Elijah. Jesus has just been transfigured. Peter, James, and John are with them, kind of watching this, uh, this conversation. And then verse 7 happens, and a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice, we talked about this voice last week, a voice came out of the cloud, and this is what the voice said. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. So a couple of things to pay attention here. So there were uh, three people that were talking, that the disciples were looking at. And the very first word that comes out of the cloud is the word this. And this is singular. Right away. Everybody, everybody watching clearly understood we're talking about one person here. Now, if you think about who Moses was, who Elijah was, to these disciples that are watching, these are legends of their family. These are legends of their national history. These are legends of their religious uh, framework. Moses brought the law. Elijah is representative of the prophets. Between the two, they summarize all of the teachings of the Old Testament, figuratively and, and literally here in front of them. And the voice says, this is my beloved son. Now, so we'll, we'll pause here for just a second. I want to make sure we understand who is speaking. So if, if someone is talking about Jesus and they call Jesus their son, then the person who is talking, and we've got little kids listening, I want to make sure we get this theology really, really tight here. The person who is speaking about Jesus being their son is God the Father. So we know that God is one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And right here in this moment, we get to see two members or see one and hear one and hear another 
we get to see two members of the Trinity interacting with each other. So we'll pause on this for just a second, and I want to I want to kind of go backward in time a couple of years to when we studied uh, systematic theology. Where is it? Ah, it's right over there. We went through uh, 50, I think it was 57 or 58 weeks studying systematic theology, looking at what the entire Bible said about different topics. And when we got to the topic of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, uh, we talked about the attributes of God the communicable attributes. It's a fancy word. just means those attributes that, that we also have some part of. And then the incommunicable attributes of God, those attributes of God that we don't have anything like that. Uh, and one of the things that we noticed and we saw about these attributes of God is that they are unchanging. God has always been omnipotent. God has always been omniscient. God has always been omnipresent. God has always been loving. He has always been kind. He has always been just. He has always been holy. He has always been righteous. He's always been all of these different things. And sometimes we believe that God, and I've seen this and I've heard this actually preached before. Uh, we believe and have heard that uh, we, we sometimes believe and sometimes heard that God made man to have someone to love. And I will just tell you that is wrong. And that is a, a gross misunderstanding of the Trinity because look at what this voice, look at what the Father says about the Son. This is my beloved Son. See, there was love amongst the members of the Trinity before any created thing was ever created. God loved the Father. God loved the Spirit. The Spirit loved the Son. The Spirit loved the Father. The Son loved God the Father. The Son loved the Spirit. There was inter-Trinitarian love that existed before humanity ever showed up. I saw a, a beautiful quote this week. It said, God was the first one that ever loved you. And a lot of people think, well, your, your mom was the first one that ever loved you, right? Because she carried you for nine months and there was a... No, 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 no. Before humanity existed, God loved you. Before anything was created, God loved you. And that love is a reflection of the love that the Father has for the Son. So don't miss the thing that we talk the most about God being a loving God the, the way God loves us is a picture of how God loves the Son. We actually get to see the Father declare his love for the Son right here. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So don't miss this idea that the Trinity loves the Trinity. Right? My pronouns start to break down here. It's just the way this works. All right, so this is my beloved son. So this declaration, uh, <laughs> sorry, Mitch, you made me laugh there. Let us all take selfies. Yes, that's exactly right. And then this uh, flashing, gleaming light would have made all the pictures uh, completely invalid. We would have needed Barry Cole to help us develop them properly. So there's that. This is my beloved son. And then we get, then we get this beautiful, Beautiful two-word phrase, akuo atos, uh, listen to him. And this word listen is a present active imperative. It's a repeated command. Uh, this is a command that, that the Father was giving to Peter, James, and John 
to be repeatedly obeyed with no end date. If you want to know what the Father thinks about how we should treat Jesus, there you go. Listen to him. Right? And what does the Spirit do? The Spirit affirms the divinity. The Spirit affirms the humanity. The Spirit affirms the sonship of Jesus Christ, declaring this is the one that we should follow. This is the one that we should say, Jesus is Lord. The whole Trinity speaks of Jesus' significance. <clears throat> so listen to him. So I, I don't do this very often, but let's just pause for a second and reflect how well are we doing at that? How well are we doing listening to Jesus? Now, it, it, is, it is very common nowadays to put words in Jesus' mouth, and I am not a fan of this at all. Uh, God wrote a book, uh, and it is sufficient. Uh, this is what Jesus said. This is the word of God in print. And Jesus is the word of God in flesh. And, uh, and we are commanded here by God the Father to listen to Jesus. So how well are we doing with that? Verse 8, and suddenly, these poor disciples have been through a lot this day. I tell you, <laughs> it's, it's really a lot going on, right? They're with Jesus. All of a sudden, he starts flashing. Moses and Elijah show up. A voice happens, and then suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. Moses and Elijah are gone. And you're like, well, well, what happened to the tent plan, Peter? All right, you're going to build three tents. Yeah, that's not the point. Now, look, look at the timeline here, because I think the timeline is representative of the eternality of the Son of God. It's a beautiful picture that, that, that God actually paints for uh, Peter, James, and John. So first you have Jesus, then you add Moses and Elijah, then you have Jesus. Just like in history, Jesus was before Moses and Elijah, Jesus was existing during the time of Moses and Elijah, and Jesus existed after Moses and Elijah. And oh, by the way, Jesus is still Lord. So you see this beautiful timeline that is painted by this particular uh, action on this mountain. So they saw no one with them but Jesus only. So remember, their minds are blown. They're terrified. The text tells us they were scared. That's why Peter said what he said, because he didn't know what to say, because they were terrified. Then we get to verse 9. And as they were coming down the mountain. Anybody else humming it? Sorry. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged, he is Jesus here. He charged them. And this word shows up a couple of different times in Mark's gospel. Uh, the, the majority of the time it shows up in Mark's gospel is when Jesus is telling others not to say something about what he has just done. Um, so I'll give you those to, to go and look up on your own. But he charged them. So Jesus charges Peter, James, and John to tell no one what they had seen. Now, if you had just seen two religious legends show up with your boss and then disappear 
and you heard a voice from heaven talking about how Jesus was the son, would you want to share this? <laughs> I'm going to say, yes, you probably would. And I think Mitch's comment about taking selfies, and I would extend that to post them somewhere. <laughs> right? Look what we saw today at work. I mean, this is just, this is incredible information. So they say uh, to not go back to verse nine here. They're coming down the mountain. He charged them to tell no one what they had seen until. Now, there is a concept that is becoming popular today called transparency. This idea that there should be no secrets. This idea that uh, if, if a small group of people know something, then a large group of people should know something. And I would say uh, there is nothing... And this, this concept started with God, by the way, this idea of transparency. Uh, because there will come a day when God makes all things known. All things will be plain. All things will be put out into the open. And Jesus is actually foreshadowing that day when he talks about this concept to the disciples. That don't tell anybody about this until, until the Son of Man, that's Jesus, had risen from the dead. Now, we hear those words until the Son of Man had risen from the dead, and we've read the Gospel of Mark. We know how this story, quote-unquote, ends. We know that Jesus is going to be uh, tortured and killed and rise again and ascend to heaven. We know this happens. The disciples had just heard him say it several times at this point. They hadn't lived through it yet. So when they heard this, you can't tell anybody until... Basically, what Jesus says, I rise from the dead. <clears throat> this was hard for them to do. And the reason I know it was hard for them to do because of the verb that's used in verse 10. So they kept, they criteoed. Now, Luke, if you're watching, you'll remember criteo because uh, J. Arnold uh, criteoed Luke one day in Sunday school. Remember, he walked over, he picked him up, and he seized him, and he brought him to a different location. This was a... A, a wrestling, gripping, strength-requiring word to do. This was not an easy thing for them to keep. This was not a, a simple story for them to just push down and go, yeah, yeah that's fine, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about that. This was hard. This, was, this took effort, this took work. So they kept the matter. Now, I don't believe that the writers of the Gospels and the writers of the New Testament and the writers of the Old Testament, I don't believe that their primary goal was to tell jokes. I don't believe it was at all. But Mark is winking at you right here with this word. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. They kept the matter. The word for matter is the word word. It's logos. It's, it's the word that is used in John to describe Jesus. You see what he's doing here? They kept the Jesus to themselves. <laughs> it's like Mark is just going, I, I know John. <laughs> I know what he's going to talk about, right? They kept the matter to themselves. So, so give them some credit here, right? So give Peter some credit here because Peter wants to go talk and be first, and when there's an awkward silence, insert himself into that awkward silence. 
And what does the text say they did? They kept the matter to themselves. Good. That's exactly right. They're obeying their rabbi. This is really good behavior from them. This is what they're supposed to be doing. But they didn't just keep it to themselves. Questioning. This is the present active participle. This is this repeated questioning over and over and over and over again. And this word in Mark is used in a variety of ways. But look at the six different times that it's used in Mark's gospel. Three of them are in Mark chapter 9. Because there's a lot of things to question in Mark chapter 9. Let's look at the other references real quick. Mark one twenty-seven. Mark one twenty-seven. So this is at the end of the story of Jesus healing a man with an unclean spirit. Um, and the unclean spirit, verse 26, the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they, everybody who was watching, were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. So this concept of, like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand this. I've got to, I've got to wrestle with this. Uh, Mark 8, 11. Mark 8, 11. The Pharisees came and began to, how does the ESV translate it here? To argue with him. So this word can be this, uh, this investigation to discuss can be in an argumentative way as well. And then look at uh, 1228. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. So this is a third different word that's used in the ESV to describe this, this word, suziteo, uh, 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 this idea of questioning or arguing or disputing. So there was some very possible dispute amongst the disciples here, amongst these three disciples, not amongst all the 12, but amongst these three disciples as to what had happened and what the significance was and what was, what should we do with this and how do we engage with this reality that we just experienced? Did, did we just experience this? This would be one of the things that I would be asking if I just seen this happen. Did, did I just like spaz out for a second and go into a dream or something? I mean, like what? What just happened? They didn't have a box to put this in, right? Questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. So the thing they were debating about wasn't actually what they just saw. It was actually what Jesus keeps saying to them. Because this is, he said this multiple times at this point. And he's used this uh, this verb uh, parsing that replies, he repeated it several times, the multiple times we've seen it so far. So they'd seen this and heard this many, many times that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. They just hadn't experienced that. They didn't know where to put that information, right? Because that's a challenging thing to hear. So I want to I want to read through the rest of this text, 11 through 13. I want to point a couple of things out. And then we'll, uh, we'll close up uh, for this morning's lesson. Uh, but I want to ask some questions to get us ready for next week's lesson. Uh, because I don't want to just drop into this text and, uh, and say the things that I think need to be said as plainly as I think they need to be said without giving you an opportunity to, to think through and kind of understand where I'd like to go, Lord willing, next week. So verse 11, uh, And they the disciples, Peter, James, and John, asked him, Jesus, 
why do the, why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? Now, Elijah is more than just a representative of the Old Testament. There is a spectacular amount of waiting and pent-up anticipation on the part of first-century Jews and modern religious Jews that are waiting for Elijah to come because Elijah is the forerunner. Elijah is the one who comes before the Messiah. We'll we'll look at the Old Testament uh, prophecies here next week, but I want to just I want to give you a heads up that this kind of a concept is coming. Um, I, I watch, uh, as you probably have possibly during the pandemic, uh, more Netflix than I used to. Um, one of the things that I am doing is uh, trying to pick up uh, a little bit more Hebrew, functional working Hebrew, by watching a Netflix show called Shtizel. And it's it's all in Hebrew. And uh, I was, I'm like halfway through the first season, I don't know. And I've been blown away by how many times Elijah is mentioned in this very like the goal of this show is not to teach religious truth about biblical prophecy. But Elijah's name just comes up in everyday language for even modern day Jews. So the disciples, remember, these were not the cream of the crop, religious scholars. He called fishermen, <laughs> he called uh, tax collectors, he called uh, uh, religious zealots at times that really weren't known for their religious knowledge. Um, so the text says, why did the scribes say that first Elijah must come? They, they didn't get it. They didn't understand why this teaching was this way. And Jesus says, and he says to them, Elijah does come first, right? He does come first to restore or reconstitute. And I would strongly encourage you to look up those three references there uh, in Mark to reconstitute all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? Now, do you see what Jesus does here? They ask him a question about Elijah, and Jesus redirects it, he confirms, and then redirects back to the point. Because the point of Moses and Elijah and Jesus on this mountain was not Moses and Elijah. It was to see that Moses and Elijah are directing people to the one who will remain, the one who will endure, the Son of Man. That he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt. Verse 13, but I tell you that Elijah has come. And this is not an awkward translation. This is a really good translation. This the word come is a perfect active indicative. This is completed action with the results continuing. The indicative means from the perspective of the speaker, this is a statement of fact. Jesus believed this to be a statement of fact that Elijah had already come. Okay. And they did to him whatever they pleased as it is written of him. So the question on the table is, and I don't want you to answer it in the comments today if you think you know. I want you to go study your Bibles. What I want you to do is, when did he come? How, how did that get fulfilled? So next week, we're going to take a look at this Old Testament prophecy of what this meant, what it was about, and we'll take a look at what Jesus uh, was very likely referring to when he says, Elijah has come. So... 
Should be an interesting lesson next week. This is Next week's lesson will be as close as I get to biblical prophecy. And there's several more things in Mark's gospel uh, that talk about prophecy, uh, both uh, Old Testament to New Testament and then New Testament to modern time, uh, prophetic-oriented uh, things. So we're going to dip our toes into this because I think I've got an idea of what we might be doing after Mark, which makes me nervous, but that's okay. All right, so we'll do application and personalization next week as well. Uh, just a couple of things as we finish up here. Um, of course, Jim, we watch your show. Well, no, it's subtitles. It's got subtitles, Mark. I, I don't, I would understand like very, very few words. And it's helped a lot with the Hebrew. Um, all right. Modern day, amen. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, place is set for Elijah. Mitch, that's exactly right. All right. So as we finish our lesson today, a couple of things. Uh, if you've had some challenges accessing this lesson, um, just, you know, if, you, if somebody's reached out to you or I can't access my text messages while I'm teaching, but um, these are all available on YouTube. You can go to OurSundaySchool.com. You can see them all there. If you're interested in uh, signing up for any of our uh, podcasts, or YouTube, or email, you can go to OurSundaySchool.com. Uh, if you want to be a member of Our Sunday School, you can go to the About Us tab, uh, watch or listen to the lesson that's there. If you want to commit to those membership expectations, I would love to have you. We would love to have you. Uh, be a part of our Sunday school. And then as we finish our lesson this morning, if you've got any prayer requests, we would love for you to write those in the comments. And thank you so much for those of you that have. Uh, we so appreciate that. Uh, for those of you that are not members of our Sunday school, we have a private Facebook group where we post uh, prayer requests that perhaps we wouldn't want to post just in an open Facebook uh, page like our Sunday school on Facebook is. Um, but we have a private place that we can do that as well. And if you have something that is of a more private or sensitive nature, feel free to email me or text me and uh, be happy to pray for those and share those with our uh, Sunday school group uh, in a private way as well. Uh, but would encourage you to pray for these prayer requests, pray for somebody that's not with you right now. And uh, then I would encourage you to uh, engage with our church, uh, either physically in person or online. Uh, in a worship service this morning. Uh, th this is something that uh, is critical to the life of a believer. And I long, I long, I long for the day uh, when our family can rejoin uh, in person and uh, where that is safe for us and the members of our family that are high risk. And uh, we, we look forward to that day. But until then, uh, electronic stuff we'll kind of have to do. And uh, we appreciate all of you that are praying for us. Uh, we appreciate uh, your faithfulness in studying God's Word and uh, look forward to being able to continue to serve you in this way. Love you guys. Praying for you every single day. And Lord willing, I'll uh, see you next week.